You know, I really am glad that you're here today. We meet every Sunday here at Crosspoint at about 10 o'clock. And uh, we worship a God that we're on a journey, well, of getting to know. We all know that God seems far away at times. And God seems hard to understand at times. But there's a bunch of normal, everyday folks who come each Sunday. And we worship, and we pray, and we give. And we see God differently. And it's an opportunity for us to adore. We also open up the scriptures. We believe it clarifies and convicts and encourages, and actually realigns us, not only for the day or for the week, but really for our journey. So we're going to do that today. And if you're newer with us, uh, we're just glad you're here and trust that that you will um, experience a little bit of our amazing God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you again just for the opportunity to be able to come together, to worship you, to adore you. We pray, dear Lord, as we look at the Easter story, the story that's been told so faithfully, this story, in fact, to some of us is is really old. But God, every time we look at it, there's something fresh. There's something new. There's something your spirit does in our soul, and we pray that that would happen today. We pray that none of my words would distract, but that we would adore you and know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, everything seemed blurred as the disciples woke on Saturday. Over the centuries, there's been... A whole lot of focus on Friday and on Sunday. But not too many people focus on Saturday. In the Eastern narrative, Saturday is the forgotten day. It's the in-between day. It's the day between the cross and the empty tomb. It's the day between despair and joy, bad news and good news, darkness and light. John Ortberg, a, famous, a favorite commentator of mine, writes this about Saturday. Those who believe in Jesus gather, quietly maybe. They remember. It's what people do. Things he said, what he taught, things he did, people he touched or healed. They remember what it felt like when this Jesus wanted them. They remember their hopes and their dreams. They were going to change the world. But to the disciples, Saturday literally is the day that reality set in. And confusion seemed to reign. The adrenaline was gone, but the pain was real. And reality hit. What actually just happened? As they walked around, as they chatted, 
and wondered what tomorrow might look like. I'm not sure if they went into disappointment management or denial. But I'm pretty sure that those who were God followers felt like God was deaf or even worse, indifferent. You know, the Psalms, part of our Holy Scriptures, right in the dead center of our Bible, are filled with people asking questions. Questions like, are you there, God? Why aren't you listening, God? Do you understand the situation or the circumstance? God? Hello? I call them Saturday Psalms. They're expressions of our disappointment in God. Maybe some of you have been there. I bet most have. Maybe you're there right now. And just wondering why God doesn't seem to be more alive to you. But you know, the truth is that Saturday didn't have to be the day that their dreams died. The Jesus story is a three-day story. And Saturday is only the second day. Jesus talked a lot about the third day. But for some reason, his followers didn't get it. It didn't click. They weren't actually looking forward to Sunday. And we know by, well, their response, they were shocked that Jesus had risen from the grave. Saturday could have been a great day, a day of anticipation, a day to prepare the victory parade. But it wasn't that way. So, Sunday. Sunday arrives right on schedule. Isn't that cool? Always after Saturday, Sunday. And that's what happened. The disciples, in fact, would soon know that Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a miracle worker or a healer. He wasn't a flash in the pan. He wasn't a failure like everyone else who was crucified, bled out, suffocated and died and was buried. Sunday would blow away Saturday's fog. It would make sense early to them on Sunday morning. Jesus rose victorious on Sunday as conquering king. A king who defied death. A savior who offers life to everyone who believes. So let's look at the event. The event that literally is recorded for us in all four Gospels. The Gospels are in the very beginning of the New Testament, and they are, well, stories or biographies. And they talk about the life of Jesus. If you have your Bibles or your flat screens, you can turn to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to put these verses also up on the screen for you. But in Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 1, I'd like to read through verse 10. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, 
For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear as they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. I think the angel kind of, a little dig right there. Come and see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Wow, you will see him there. These ladies were told, remember what I've told you. The women quickly ran from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. As they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. There's three acts here, actually. Act one is these ladies get up early. All right. And they make their way to the tomb. And as they're going... I don't think they're skipping. I think they're rather mournful. I think they're going there to re-anoint or anoint again or to put some, some perfume and spices on Jesus' body because there was no embalming. And so maybe they were just kind of dragging their feet. They loved Jesus tremendously. And just about the time they got to the tomb. An earthquake happens. Whoa! Now God has their attention. I don't know if it's a little tremor. I don't know if it kind of tossed them to the ground. I don't even know if they had Richter scale back then. But I know God got their attention. And then an angel. Whoa. <laughs> Not again. I, I don't know about these angels. I know that most of us have pictures of the old wing thing, you know, and floating around and maybe some halos and, and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, all right, is that an angel appeared. I don't know if it was a man with a little bit of a glow I don't know if he had the angels or look or whatever. I don't even know if there was maybe a name tag. All right. But these ladies saw an angel. And then the angel, at this moment, moved the stone. It was rather easy. And then he sits on the stone. Propped up there. Meanwhile, the guards faint. They're done. Grown men hired to watch the tomb. 
These ladies don't faint, by the way. It's the guards. They're watching this kind of stuff. They're down on the ground. And the ladies, in my opinion, are just kind of focusing. Now the truth is, there were probably four ladies. There was Mary Magdalene in in our story, although Matthew just focuses on one. And then there was Mary, the wife of Clopas. That's where we learn that in another area. There's another lady named Salome and another lady named Joanna. So all these ladies are there. All these ladies are experiencing this. And the angel speaks, and the first words out of his mouth is, don't be afraid. Good advice. You know, I don't know if they're quivering, shaking. I don't know if they're in awe. I don't know if they've dropped to their knees. I don't know anything. But I know one thing. They are scared stiff at this moment. But it only gets better. He starts off with, don't be afraid. It's okay. I know you didn't expect to see me today. I know that. But I'm here And I've got some amazing news for you. He goes, secondly, he isn't here. No, no, not here. You know, Jesus, the Savior, he's not here. I opened the stone actually so you could look in. In fact, that's what I'd like you to do. Come and see. You go on in there. You know we put the body there. You know he was there just a few Hours ago, perhaps. But he's not there now. Go and tell the others. In fact, you yourself are going to see Jesus. Now, at this time, I don't know what they remembered. I don't know what they understood. I don't know what kind of stuck. But at this moment, they had to get a little bit excited. All right? Maybe the excitement was overwhelming the fear at this moment. But they heard, we're going to see Jesus again. We're, we're, we're going to see my Savior? We're going to see the one that I actually thought was dead. I'd never get to see him again. Oh, this is so cool. So the women said, or the scriptures say, the women ran, being frightened and joyful. On the way, Jesus appears. And although our translation is quite smooth, literally what Jesus does this. He sees the girls, they are running, and he says, hey! Okay, maybe not that way, but hi! Hello! I greet you. I don't know how Jesus like greeted, how, however he normally greeted. But this was a common greeting. This was not like, yoo-hoo, I'm here. It's like normal. Just like every time when we're walking, I would see you and say, how you guys doing? This was very normal for Jesus. He expected to see the girls. The girls did not expect to see him. How odd. Very normal. And what they do, they run to him, they grab his feet, and they worship. I'm pretty sure they just didn't know what to do. 
If you, again, back then, all day Saturday thinking about it, getting ready to get up early in the morning, going to the tomb, miserable, discouraged, despairing, not understanding anything, this angel dude shows up, gives you some hope. You're running to go tell the other guys that he is risen. Jesus shows up. Whoa, hi guys. And they fall on their face. Jesus' next words, classic, right? Don't be afraid. I know this is really out of the ordinary. You just kind of like don't talk to dead people who have just risen from the grave before. I get it. But don't be afraid. This is the greatest day that you're ever going to experience. This is the day that I conquered death. Do you understand? Don't be fearful of this day. Let's rejoice in this day. This is an amazing day. Today, in hindsight, we feel good about Easter. Easter changed the lives of the early disciples. You can continue reading the stories in all four accounts. There are even times disciples, good followers of Jesus, that still were skeptical even after meeting them. How hard is that to understand? But for those who embraced the resurrection, their lives were different. And let me just ask this question. Life couldn't be the same after meeting the resurrected Christ, could it? I mean, days before you saw a human being that didn't even look like a human being. This was not an ordinary death. This was absolutely ruthless mutilation. So not only is your loved one hanging there, not only is your loved one taken down, not only is your loved one buried, but now, Jesus is alive. All the things he had done before start to make sense. They were elated. But you know what? They were also fearful. They they had to start thinking through what this meant. You see, Pilate and the Romans were threatened by the resurrection. This couldn't be good for Christians or God followers once he found out that this Jesus was alive. The powerful religious leaders would increase their persecution of Christ's followers. I mean, they're the ones who incited the crowds and got Jesus killed anyway. You think they'd be really happy that he was walking around? The lives of those early believers just got more dangerous. Yet the message was clear to those early kingdom patriots. Don't be afraid. I am alive. Let's celebrate life. You see, fear wasn't the only emotion that was released on this miraculous morning. You see, hope was birthed. And soon after that, there would be power. For just in a few short weeks... Right after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit would be unleashed and sent to those early believers. And the church would be born, which would start a cycle over 2,000 years ago 
of transformation. Of anybody who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, who died for their sin and paid their debt, and believed that he was resurrected to life, and that they can experience life now and for eternity. God changes us. You see, people who meet the risen Savior, even today, their lives change. It was the message of love and grace and mercy that doused the fear. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus continues to shout today. It is the kingpin or the event that the gospel hinges on. This is the reason that atheists or agnostics like Lee Strobel focused on the resurrection. Lee's research resulted in his salvation and a book slash movie that chronicles his journey called The Case for Christ. And some of you may have even seen it already as it's in the theaters. But he was pretty sure that if he could destroy the myth of the resurrection, he could destroy Christianity. And he couldn't. In fact, let's read what the Apostle Paul thought about the resurrection some 25 years after it occurred. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose from the grave. The church was born, and there were different folks that went out and planted churches all over the world. The Apostle Paul met Jesus a few years later. His life was totally transformed. He was at a church called Corinth approximately 25 years after the resurrection happened. In chapter 15, verses 3 to 8, this is what he writes. Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them, Paul writes, are still alive. Well, some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. You see, Paul assures the Corinthian believers that the resurrection, although they weren't there, is well documented. In fact, there's a lot of people that are still around that met Jesus after the resurrection. Paul gives a three-day Jesus story quickly. He says he was crucified. He says he was buried. And he said on the third day, he was raised from the dead. Then Paul logically looks at the resurrection just a few verses later in 1 Corinthians 15. Starting in verse 14, he says this. And Corinthians, if Christ had not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. 
And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Jesus Christ from the grave. And if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life or while we're around, before we die... We are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. What Paul is saying is this. Without the resurrection, our preaching and your faith is useless. All the apostles that, in fact, many of them died because of this message Ruthlessly. All of them would be liars. They would be propagating this myth. But they met the risen Savior. He said you or we even at this time would be lost. We would have no hope. In fact this. He says we are to be pitied if this life is all we have. In other words, if you've sipped the Kool-Aid and you are a God follower and you show up even here at 10 o'clock on Easter, you're pathetic. That's ridiculous. There's way better things to do than to worship and adore a myth. It didn't make a difference. But he's a little sarcastic here. He's going, no, don't you get it? This is life changing. As I said before, you can't meet the risen Christ and not have your life changed. It's impossible. The really good news today is that Christ has been raised so that you and I can be raised. If you haven't noticed, our world's in turmoil and it's pretty hard to get out of bed some days. Sometimes it's our own consequences of poor choices. Sometimes, you don't get it, this just came right out of left field. You don't know why sometimes you lose your job. You don't know why certain people get sick. You know why, well, and you can finish the sentence. Life is really hard. But the good news is that Jesus rose from the grave and is our guarantee that anyone who is a God follower, those who have come to Christ, those who are part of his family, will someday be resurrected and will live forever. You see, Jesus died to pay our debt and restore that broken relationship. 
Jesus rose to defeat sin's consequences daily, every single day, and for eternity. We enjoy God now. In spite of the circumstances or situations or scenarios that you find yourself in. In fact, that's what we do every Sunday here. And every time we gather to open up God's Word. Is we encourage you to keep moving forward. To trusting your King. He will give you the strength and the perspective every one of us need every single day. In fact, if I'm honest, I don't know how I could live a day without recognizing that my God is in control. You know, there's probably three ways to respond to this good news today. Everyone sitting in these comfortable chairs. One is apathy. Because there were a whole lot of people 2,000 years ago that saw an experience, some very religious, some not so religious. Even notice the two thieves on the cross, both pretty criminal type. One responded. The other one, wow, saw everything the one who responded saw. And he chose to live eternity without God. So we could be apathetic to this unbelievable event. Okay, it's just really nice. Once a year I can do this. Second thing, we can receive a gracious gift. You know, I'm pretty sure with a crowd this size again that not everybody has responded to God's amazing gift of life. And you can have that today. The scriptures tell us that once you recognize that you've been separated from God and that, wow, you need a Savior. You need your sin taken care of so you don't have to pay for it. By faith, you can receive that gift, even now. And the third response are, probably comes from folks that know Jesus, that are part of God's family. And that response would be, I am so grateful, God. I am so grateful that you died, but more grateful that you rose from the dead. And that I can not only experience abundant life right now, but someday I will spend eternity with you. None of that is deserved, God. None of it. But I am so grateful. I am so grateful that all my eggs are not in this basket of life. Let me pray. Father, I thank you again for your grace. This is an amazing story. Whether it's told by some women who are pretty despondent, pretty discouraged, pretty much accepted that you'd be in that tomb. Father, they were shocked. And you, you met them 
And you gave them hope and you encouraged them and you continue to meet them and the disciples and over 500 others. They saw the scars, the holes. They saw all that you did for them. And their lives were changed. Oh God, would we see that? Would we see how wonderful and loving you are? Would you, Father, continue to draw each one of us? And would we, even this day, a story that we've heard so often, would we be in awe of you? In Jesus' name, amen. As a pastor here at Crossfire, I just want to again say thank you for coming and joining us on this Easter celebration. Crosspoint is a family who is doing a journey together. We're not perfect. Just some sojourners who are struggling well with life together. If you don't have a community, I'd love for you to join us. Our families do love each other, and we are grateful that you, again, just were our guests. You know, we've got some resources for you as you leave. Out in our lobby, uh, we've got some different books and some different literature that it might encourage you on the journey, and we'd love for you to be able to take one of those, uh, take them home with you, and, and hopefully it will be something that will encourage your heart. There's also prayer and counseling. Maybe some of you made a decision and just even came to faith today. You know, we have a prayer team that'll be up front, and we would love to be able to chat with you, encourage you, and help you along the journey. In the days to come, we trust you'll be in community. Life is hard, and we all need encouragement. Next week, if you come back to join us, we will resume our study in 1 Peter. Meanwhile, happy Easter. He indeed is risen.